This is the After Hours Director Spotlight, presented by Amro Music. It's the podcast where we chat with music educators to celebrate the joy of teaching music and learn about strategies for success. In this episode, Nick Averwater continues his conversation with Michaela Littleton, Director of Bands at Mill Creek Middle School in Nolansville, Tennessee. It's part of the Williamson County School System, which is just south of Nashville. Michaela is in her fourth year as a music educator, and in this conversation, she shares stories about lessons and mentors during her high school years that made it clear that she was going to teach music. She'll also talk about some of the things she does now to be a more effective educator. In Nick's first question that you'll hear in just a moment, the David he refers to is David Adelet. Michaela's high school band director in Franklin, Tennessee. He's now at Siegel High School in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This conversation was recorded July 29th, 2022. It's broken up into two episodes, and this is part two. Well, Michaela, I want to backtrack a little bit and talk a little bit about the the role that David played on you to encourage you to become an educator, because you know, I don't, I don't know if you um, followed this, but uh, maybe a month or two ago now, Bob Morrison wrote a piece talking about a pending educator shortage, right, where he's running the numbers of how many music educators we have entering the field and how many music educators that we have exiting the field. And the numbers don't balance out. We have more exiting than we have more entering. But what I know through these conversations is almost every educator I encounter had another educator before them that influenced them in such a way that kind of led them down the career path, right? I I don't know if I've ever interacted with anybody that was like, you know, I had a really terrible band experience, so I decided to become a band director so I could fix it. Like, I don't, everybody says I had a great educator. So for those of us in education, you know, what role do we need to be playing? What conversation do we need to be having to get more kids to consider a career in music education like David did with you? I love that question as well. I love that question as well. I really like to sit at our high school band banquet. I'm so blessed to be able to be at those high school functions. We function as a cluster at Nolansville, so I get to be a part of the high school marching band and the high school functions. And they always say where they're going to college and what they're studying. And um, it does, It I feel like with the amount of musicians that are coming out of Nolansville, I always feel like I wish more of them would go into music. Um, this is a fantastic musician. I want them to go into music. Um, part of what Mr. A did for me when I was a student was he cast a vision for me. So when I was young, he said to me, there's something in you and you should be a band director. That was a shock to me. No one had ever looked at me and said, Michaela, you should be a engineer or Michaela, you should be a plumber or whatever. Um, it was just all kind of in my head. So for him to externalize that for me was something new. And I was shocked. I was shocked at first. Also, Why were you, sho- gave, why were you shocked? Why would I be a band director? Yeah. I didn't feel like I was any good. Okay. I was, well, when I started high school band, I was the only freshman in the millophone section and there were no sophomores. So it was me and then I think there were like 12. There were like six juniors and six seniors or something like that. And so the first camp that I went to, like pre-camp, band camp, everything, the tech was my tech because everyone else was a junior and a senior and they knew what they were doing. And I'm like wandering around in the marching band field like so lost. And then my sophomore year, 
due to the lack of horn players, I'm a French horn player, due to the lack of horn players, I was put into wind ensemble. And I wasn't in a place where I was able to play the literature that the Franklin Wind Ensemble was playing. And I understood that I was failing at that. Um, I understood that I wasn't achieving what I should have been achieving in the music, but I didn't really have the tools because I was a sophomore. And I was still kind of getting my life together with homework and balancing and this and that and the other. And I, I honestly perceived often that I let my band director down because of that. And again, I'm the perfectionist. I'm this and that. And so he said to me, you're going to be a band director. You could be a band director. And I was shocked. I was like, you see that in me? I didn't even think that you liked me because I can't play the high note and esprit de corps at letter M. Um, it's a really cool horn feature that I have since played very well and I played very poorly in high school. Um, <laughs> And he saw that in me. He cast a vision. And then when I was older, because of that gap in leadership, I was made a section leader as a junior. And at Franklin, they do, we didn't have like a leadership team. It was, if you are a section leader, you are senior. If you're a senior, you're a section leader. It's the same thing. You just became a senior and you were. If there were 17 seniors in the trumpet section, welcome to it. You're all section leaders. But there was no section leader. And so I was made the section leader. And I actually went to Music for All camp. I went to the summer symposium, went to the leadership experience and the camp, and they quantified it. They were like, you are the leader, so you will get there first, and you will run fastest, and you will reset first, and you will encourage. You will get there first, you will leave last. You will drink water the fastest. You will know your music the best. This is what you do. And I was like, okay. And I came back from that Music for All camp, and I got it. Um... I understood what it meant to be a leader. And from then on, I could kind of see that path. Miss Ray spoke that into me. And even when I messed up, I remember there was a concert that I messed up so bad. I was so flat. And he came up to me and there were like literally tears in his eyes after he, after we performed this concert. And I don't know whether they were relief or sadness or emotion or anything. And he was like, you're going to be okay. And he said that to me and I had messed up so bad. Like I felt like I had ruined the concert and he was still my band director and still proud of me for being me and for showing up for doing my best. Um, that's not to say we didn't have a tuning conversation later, but <laughs> he was someone that he was someone that saw something in me before other people did. Yeah. And my parents were supportive, but my parents have always been supportive. And so it was that external factor. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that is such an important tale, right? I love the fact that you use cast a vision, right? Because let's just undo all of this, right? And, and this is not, not to throw shade at parents out there. But if you're not from the band world or you're not a band director, I think the chance of a parent looking at, a, at their kid and saying, you would make a fine band director, is probably really low, right? If, if that parent is not a music educator or they didn't play in the band, they simply just don't have the tools to recognize what would make a really good band director, right? If David never planted that seed, if he never said, you're going to be a band director, what do you think are the chances are that you and I would be sitting here having this conversation. Zero percent. Yeah. Zero percent. And it wasn't only him. Um, he really got me started soft, my sophomore year. 
my junior year when I was that section leader type person, um, Billy Vandeliner, I think he goes by William at this point, William Vandeliner, he was our Melotech for that year. And I was the junior, I was a section leader, and I felt like I was the most competent Melo player at that point. But he would like record on his phone my rep. Like he would record me marching and playing and he would show it to me in the like break while the box was talking. And he'd be like, that's your rep. How do you feel about that? And like push me to get better. And so he pushed me. And then my senior year, the Mellow Tech was Rebecca Easley, who was the student teacher there that fall. And she was both a friend and a mentor to me my senior year. And uh, William and Rebecca cast continued to cast that vision for me. And Rebecca in particular graduated. She student taught in the fall and graduated in December. And she had me on GroupMe. Like that's how we did messaging without getting teachers' phone numbers. She had me on GroupMe. And the day she graduated, like an hour later on GroupMe, she said, hi, we can be friends now because I've graduated. Here's my phone number. And she like reached out to me. I would have never done that. She reached out to me and she said, hi, we're friends now. And she was a teacher and I was in high school. And so I went to Donaldson where she was to go and observe. And so Rebecca continued to cast that vision. And I'll be honest, Rebecca continues to cast that vision for me because she is a friend and a mentor, but she also had the Mill Creek job before I had it. And so she started the vision for the Mill Creek band that I get to continue. And I feel so honored that somebody who saw me in high school and said, you, you're going to do good things. You're going to do big things. Here's my phone number. Be my friend. Um, I'm able to continue in her footsteps. Yeah. I, I, there's just so much I love about this story, right? Because so many things went right in, in your particular instance where you had these great mentors and they recognized this and they encouraged and you had people pouring into you uh, outside of the family unit. And but it had a starting point, right? And and so I say all that to say there was a starting point. There was somebody that that started the conversation and planted that seed with you to say, you're going to be a band director one day. They recognize that in you. And I think as part of this conversation about not enough people entering the field, I think we have to remember that a lot of times that starting point has to come within the field, right? It's probably not going to be the parent that makes that recommendation it's probably not going to be, you know, a, a college advisor. It's got to be, in so many instances, it's that middle school or that high school band director that said, I think you can do what I do. And that's really valuable because as students, you look up to your band director so much. And for the person that you look up to, to say, I think you should come with me. I, I think you should take this path that I'm already down. And yeah. then they get to turn around and say, hey, keep on coming. I'm walking yeah. down here, and you're just a little behind me. Keep on coming. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the ultimate compliment, right? Because you're right. Like, kids kids that stay in band, like, obviously, they, they spend more time with their music educator than pretty much any other educator that they do. Um, they're there because, frankly, they love it, right? Like, something brings them and retains them into that program. And and the music educator is such a huge part of it. I mean, I can't think of a group that, that has more influence or impact over a child's life through high school outside of the family unit or perhaps a church than a, than a band director, an orchestra teacher in, in all of those years. And so 
I just I love the clarity that you bring to that because I do think as we're going through this, that's got to be an internal conversation that we have is, okay, there's a band director shortage, there's a music educator shortage. Who are we inspiring? Who do we identify? How are we recognizing these people? And how are we inviting them, just like you had David do to you, to follow you down that path? Yeah, and using direct words as well. Um, I think students are sometimes a little a little more oblivious than you think they are. I teach middle school, so you have to know that I'm dealing with 11 to 14-year-olds, and so I have to be really direct with them. I mean, just the act of being direct with, just like you said, uh, inviting them directly. Hey, I think you should do this. I actually, I make it a point to tell my kids often that I love them. And I, I say it a lot. And the other day I was at high school band and I said, student name, I love you. What did I just say? And the kid said, you said move faster. I said, no. What did I just say to you? He said, you said you love me. And I was like, yes. And you need to move faster. Okay. And then I gave him the instruction again. Um, and in that instance, it was because I was critiquing, I was critiquing the, the student and I knew that he would take it kind of hard. So I started with trying to disarm him, but I say it often and I try to be really explicit with that. Um, and I know that maybe that's a funny thing to hear in a school building, but I, I repeat that to my students and I hope that they, I hope that they know consciously or subconsciously that Miss Littleton does love them. She thinks about them at home and cares about them and worries about them. You have to be explicit, just like you said. And that's a great takeaway, too. Like, David didn't mince his words with you. He didn't say, hey, you know, you're pretty good at conducting, and then kind of walk off on his way. He looked you in the eye and said, you're going to be a band director. You could do this, right? And, And I think that's another great lesson that brought you to where you are today. So there's so much about your story that I think is just a model of how we can continue to invite people in to be a part of the things that we all love so much, and that's, you know, music. So, Michaela, now that you've been in this four years, what aspect of either your teaching, your personal development, do you feel like you're still trying to get worked out? Are you still trying to learn? You're still trying to evolve and improve upon? And how are you going about doing that? I'm trying to pick one. Um, I feel like the first thing that I had to work out in the past, I'll work, I guess I'll work my way toward the answer. The first thing I had to work out was personal life balance and time balance. Um, And I started doing this crazy thing called leaving events on time. And I don't really mean school events. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty involved in my church. And so I started leaving, I started leaving church on time. It was a crazy concept. Um, And then I started taking that into uh, other aspects of my life, leaving as much on time as I could feasibly do. Um, So that was a big thing that I worked on at first. Then through COVID, I really had to, they took teaching away. They took music away. They took, there were masks. It was crazy. Um, And so it was like, what is my identity without all of this teaching on a screen? Um, It was kind of through COVID. At this moment, I struggle to delegate. And I have been a single director for the past two years going into this third year at Mill Creek. And each year I have invited more students and more parents into what I'm doing. The first year it was COVID and we started online. I didn't know anybody. It was a new school. It was, it was hard. And they were not allowing parents to help. So I couldn't really have parent volunteers. And so I did everything myself. But it was COVID, so it was smaller, so it was manageable. 
then as things opened up over the past several years, events have gotten bigger, commitments have gotten bigger, and I have continued to do a lot of it by myself. I really struggle to give students a job with the correct expectations and wording so that it gets done to my standards. And so I'm working on going to the students and coaching them through it. For this upcoming school year, I'm going to have a librarian for every class. They're going to make copies. They're going to pass music out. If some kid doesn't have their warm-up sheet and they come up to me and say, Miss Littleton, I don't have my da-da-da-da-da, what's your librarian's name? Go see her. I'm going to have a band president in every class and... My goal right now is to have them help me with, we do like a buddy system with like they get a younger student and um, also with like class celebrations and that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to have a setup captain in every class. I'm going to have a cleaning captain in every class and I'm going to have a tuner captain in every class. This is my plan and I am delegating so that I am not changing tuner batteries to start class. I'm really working on that because if I do it, I know it's done well but there's literally one of me. So I'm working on delegating. I also am very excited about getting a part-time assistant at the middle school. Uh, Miss Regina Go is going to be joining me for the afternoon at the middle school. She's going to spend the morning at the high school, Nolensville High School, and then come over to Mill Creek for the afternoon. So that is going to help me immensely over the summer. I've had the opportunity to work with her and to get plans started, and that is going to help immensely. But right now, it's delegating. It's finding the things that I can do. It was said to me in college that you should do only the things that require a music ed degree, which is great advice, except for whenever class starts in five minutes and the chairs have to be set out. So then you have to think ahead. So I'm, I'm really working on delegating. That's a great example. And you, and you are so correct about this because I, I myself find my, you know, I'm just as guilty of that too, where it's like, you know what, I'll just do it. I can do it faster. It'll be exactly the way I want it. Um, and, and in the short term that works in the long term, it's exhausting, leads to burnout. And to your point, you named all those positions. Um, we just wrapped up this conversation about developing the next generation of potential music educators. Now, all of a sudden, you've got these titles, right? You can you can start to see, hey, who migrates and how they respond to this. And so when that opportunity presents itself to have that conversation like David did, it's more likely because they're in that role. They're your librarian. They're your president. They're your setup captain. Whatever it is, you're seeing who is really engaged with the idea of, of loving music and wanting music to be a part of their life. So, so many different layers to that, but I can, I definitely understand from my personality that sometimes that's a lot easier said than done. Well, Michaela, it's hard to imagine we're at the 50 minute mark here. And so I would love to just ask you one more question. It's the question that I love to ask everybody when they come on here to the show. And, you know, if that's, if you could go back in time and give your, give advice to your younger self and you only had 30 seconds to do it, you had a very concise, brief elevator ride with your younger self, what advice would you give them? Stick with it, play your horn, drink water. Stick with Um, it, play your horn, drink water. Yes, stick with it, play your horn, drink water. I... There have been a lot of opportunities where I've I've had the chance to maybe quit something. Um, I've considered in my short career multiple times, like, maybe this is it. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'll go do something else that pays more, that has less hours, that doesn't have these emails and these this and that and the other. Um, 
but it is worth it. And I know in my heart of hearts that this is what I am meant to do. I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be with these students, at least for right now. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's another thing that high school band taught me is that you don't quit when it gets hot, when it when you're tired, when it when it gets hard, you don't quit. You have made a commitment, you keep going. That first year teaching, I think was the hardest commitment that I ever stuck with. That that was so hard. And I feel like if I wasn't like a, a band kid, that I wouldn't have had the gumption to literally show up to work every day and stick through it. There were so many things that were so hard that first year. Stick with it. Play your horn. I have band director chops. I love to play with my kids. If I'm by myself, I will emails and paperwork all the time anyway. So play your horn. Michaela, play your horn. And then drink water. Water solves all your problems. If you're angsty, drink some water. If you're stinky, take a shower. If you need some fun, go jump in a pool. Water solves all your problems. Drink water. That's great. Michaela, thank you so much. Well, listen, I have enjoyed so much this conversation. Uh, I just applaud everything that you're doing at Mill Creek. I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your wisdom well beyond your years because so much great insights and can't wait to see the many successes you have there at Mill Creek Middle School. Thank you so much. That's Michaela Littleton, director of bands at Mill Creek Middle School in Nolensville, Tennessee, talking with Nick Averwater here on the After Hours Director Spotlight, which is presented by Amro Music, a family-owned company since 1921. At Amro, we work with over 600 schools in eight states to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians. And these partnerships make production of the After Hours podcast possible. Our director services department is ready to work with your school, too. Just email alan at amromusic.com or seth at amromusic.com. The After Hours podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. You can hear many more conversations with music educators at amromusic.com slash afterhours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.